pH wipes, douching, scented pads. This week, the gal pals talk about scented feminine hygiene products. It's your good gal pals, Kayla and Arnie, bringing you TMI Talks, where you'll be thinking, no one told me. For friends, sisters, and moms. For all women and vagina havers. Evidence-based information brought to you by a science master obsessed with research. And a physician assistant. Just a reminder that this is for educational purposes only. Please seek a medical professional if you have concerns. We do our best to provide up-to-date information backed by evidence-based medicine. We do the research so you don't have to. Hello, and welcome to the No One Told Me podcast. This is the second episode of our Mythbuster series, the series where we focus on common myths and then bust them. And today we're talking about flowery fannies, focusing on scented hygiene products. We're talking about scented feminine products and the myth behind them. We want to focus on what exactly does this myth encompass? What products are we talking about here? And what are they marketed to do? So let's get started by the common scented products that are out there for vagina havers. So these scented feminine hygiene products typically include products like scented pads, tampons, powders and sprays, and then you have your additional layer of pH wipes or pH balancing products. And then in our final category, we have douching products, vaginal douching products. So when we mention these products, what exactly is the myth related to these products, Kayla? These products are marketed towards women for odor control mainly. I actually remember the first time I heard about these products was when I was, I want to say in middle school, elementary school, when everyone was starting to get their period. And one of my friends was talking to everyone. And basically said, yes, like, when you get your period, maybe look out for, like, the scented pads because they smell really good. That was my first introduction, not only to scented pads, but to feminine hygiene products, period. Because (laughs) it was not intentional, but it was good. (laughs) But, But, yes, these products prey on the insecurities of women and girls we're told you need to be clean all the time, you need to be presentable, you need to smell good, you need to be nice to be around. And that mindset is then used to market products that we, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit here, but that we don't need. And it can actually be quite harmful to us. So it's preying on those thoughts and yeah, saying that we need something smelling good in all parts of our bodies. I find it absolutely wacky that societal expectations are such that while a woman is bleeding, physically bleeding out the lining of an organ, we're expected to smell nice. Now, don't get me wrong, if you're keeping appropriate hygiene and changing your pad or tampons at appropriate timings, 
and keeping the area clean with water. I'm, again, I'm jumping the gun here a little bit as well. You might still smell a little bit like blood, but I guarantee you probably smell your own scent more than anyone around you. The other thing is that when you're dealing with cramps and general things that we deal with during that time of the month that we would rather not have to, whether or not a smell is happening that honestly no one else can smell but maybe you because you're sensitive to your own sense, that should be the last thing on anyone's mind. Like, you should be more concerned about the fact that you're having cramps and that you have to make sure to change your tampon in like an hour or two hours. So back to, I guess, the subject at hand and not us annoyed at the fact that society has, has put all these expectations on us. Yes, scented pads exist. Yes, scented tampons exist. Those go inside of your body. Pads are bad, like scented pads are bad, but tampons is, for me, at least another level. And then there's also powders or sprays. I actually know it was a trend or might still be a trend where people would even use perfume and spray it on their the crotch of their jeans. If only listeners could see my face right now, I am in absolute horror. I'm shocked. Not a great idea, guys. Please don't. And well, yeah, but when you're when society tells you that's like you need to smell good and you have perfume, right? Why not? Right. That's where the like that's the logic that comes into that. That's definitely the logic that is behind this myth. And I believe it's also quite common for women to start using scented sanitary products in adolescence. So after the age of 15, I think it's beneficial to talk about why these products are sold or what they are marketed for. I think we mentioned odor control during our menstrual cycles when there is that active scent of blood and we mentioned you know we're more sensitive to our own smells than anyone around us but these products can also be sold for the purposes of vaginal itching and vaginal irritation and those are aspects that products like pH wipes and douching actually targets more I feel. Let's debunk this myth. So these are harmful because as we mentioned in our last episode, and for listeners who might have not caught the last episode, our vagina and that whole system is very good at cleaning itself out and maintaining its own balances between pH, between the bacterial, between the healthy and unhealthy bacteria that are in there. They, they take care, it takes, it takes care of itself it knows what it's doing. Normally, it's better to leave it alone and it can figure itself out. Of course, if you have something like a UTI or a yeast infection, that is when you will have treatment for it. But other than that, there's no need to have any maintenance on that. Vaginal douching is essentially the washing out or cleaning of the vagina with water or a mixture of other fluids. There are certain products that are sold in premixed concoctions of vinegar, baking soda, lactic acid, etc. And a lot of the times these mixtures can come in bottle or bag and are packaged in a way that it's a container with a nozzle that you're supposed to squirt into the vagina to rinse it out. 
And that's what douching is. So pH wipes are marketed to essentially your area. So they're marketed to use after workout or after a long day when you a shower isn't available. That is typically when um, those are marketed to use or some are even marketed to use every day in addition to showering. We might have noticed that we have been alluding to but have not exactly addressed why each one is bad and that is because they all have the same reason as to why we would want to avoid the scented pads, the powders, the sprays, the tampons, the pH wipes, and also the, and also douching. And that reason is that it does upset your pH balance. It upsets the microbial environment that you have. And that balance is very important for your system when it is self-cleaning. So as we mentioned in our last episode, the vaginal and the your reproductive system is very self-cleaning. It takes care of the balances between the microbes that do live there, and it does take care of the pH, which is all geared towards keeping out infection and keeping that part of your body clean. And it cleans itself. It's basically what I'm trying to say. So by introducing these other scents and wipes and by flushing out all of that, good bacteria, and also the bad, but a lot of the good as well, it will mess up the balances that your body has figured out how to best care for you. And when you get rid of the good bacteria in your system, you leave your system, you leave your system vulnerable to infections. So when you're causing possible pH upset, and again, this is when you're upsetting your good bacterial environment or good bacteria vaginal flora, it may be more likely for you to end up with a UTI, urinary tract infection, or yeast infection. Also, using external products can lead a lot of people to getting dermatitis or redness of the skin, irritation of the skin, not only of the vagina, but the surrounding area or the vulva. And this can look like, again, redness, itchiness. It can look like discharge. If you're someone who has eczema or have, if you're someone who has skin conditions like eczema, you might be more likely to get a vaginal or a vulvovaginal dermatitis. So again, that's the irritation or itchiness of the skin surrounding the vagina from these scented products. The important thing to remember is that feminine hygiene products are also already underrepresented in product testing, and these scents are often considered trade secrets. So this allows companies to keep their ingredients hidden from the public, and it's especially important for people who have allergies because there might be an ingredient that they're using for the scent that they're not listing in their ingredients because they don't have to. So just something to keep in mind, of course, for everyone, it's generally not a good idea and it will increase your exposure to infections. But especially if you have allergies, you want to make sure that you're definitely staying away from these products. I'm glad you are bringing up uh, scented pads and possible trade secret scents that are hidden. 
Uh, but I do want to play devil's advocate a little bit. This is not something I commonly want to do, especially in a podcast or an episode about myths. But, a, but for full transparency's sake, I encountered a study that showed even in individuals with sensitive skin, scented pads can be tolerated. Now, this is contradicting information, but I don't fully trust it. And this is why. This study that I'm talking about was not done particularly for the purpose of focusing on scented products. It was done for testing the foam absorbent core of pads in general. And the whole scented product finding was a secondary finding. So the value of this information actually goes down. What I would say to that is not that we're having a debate, because I think we're on the same side of this. But what I would what I would say to that is tolerated doesn't mean that it's good. I can tolerate people someone being annoying. It doesn't mean I want you to be around me. So if your body can tolerate something, that's all well and good. That means that we have a very good defense system and that's what your body should be doing. It should be trying to keep you safe. My point with the allergies, though, is that if, for instance, I have an allergy to nuts and this scented pad uses almond oil, but it's not scented in almonds, so there's nothing that says almond on it, it might trigger my allergy to nuts because it has an almond byproduct or some sort of almond trace that is not even on the list of ingredients. And I would be exposing myself to the allergen that my body has an adverse reaction to without knowing. So that's why I'm saying if you have allergies, definitely be careful with this. I'm glad you bring up a specific example to help everyone understand how that could be related for them specifically. And don't get me wrong, I'm totally on board with Kayla. I just wanted to play devil's advocate for a short little while because we do want to be transparent, transparent with the research we find. Oh, of course. And I don't, I don't mind. I like, I like thinking about what other people are also thinking. So if we move on to douching, I know there are several myths specifically associated with douching. So I can present the myth to Arnie, and I'm guessing Arnie has to, a whole bunch of reasons why these myths are not true. So the first one, people often think that douching, again, that is using water or some sort of mix that is pre-packaged to flush out your insides. So the first myth is that it helps in preventing STIs if you use it right after sex. No. I'll, I'll explain why. When you're flushing out, again, this comes back to the fact that you're flushing out your good vaginal flora or good vaginal bacteria. You're actually leaving your insides more exposed to bad stuff. So the normal vaginal flora that you have can protect you from infection and you wiping out your normal vaginal flora can leave you exposed to infection. So douching can actually increase your risk of getting STIs. Yeah, essentially what I picture when I think of this fact is that you have all of your little like security guards or whatever trying to make sure that you're you're protected against STIs. And by douching, what you're doing is disarming all of them and getting rid of yeah. them because you're flushing them out, which will leave you more susceptible 
to the SDI. I was trying to think of. Our next myth is that douching after having sex can prevent no. pregnancy. Sperm can be fast, and they can once they're up in your cervix. There's nothing that douching is really going to do. If you have concerns about an unwanted pregnancy, you should be seeking a health practitioner's help for options. There's a literature review from 2003, and then it was updated in 2010, which alluded to the risks of douching, which included bacterial vaginosis, preterm birth, low birth weight infants, pelvic inflammatory disease, chlamydial infection, tubal or ectopic pregnancies, higher rates of HIV transmission, and cervical cancer. Now, the preterm birth and low birth weight infants are related to if an individual was douching during pregnancy. So there are risks associated with that. And I do want to be, again, transparent and say that there are not a lot of super comprehensive studies with large study size samples that test the effects, the exact effects of vaginal douching, but there's enough evidence out there for us to easily discourage its use. I do want to add an additional point, which isn't a myth, but it's worth mentioning while we're on the topic of douching. And this is a bit of a trigger warning, a little bit of a serious topic. We do have to put a trigger warning to this because this pertains to sexual assault. If you or someone you know has been a victim of sexual assault, it may be a knee-jerk reaction to cleanse the vagina or take a bath. Just as an FYI, if this is a situation that has happened recently, try not to, and this is a big ask, but try not to cleanse the area. And the reason I say this is because if the event has happened and you go to the hospital, it may still be possible to to collect evidence of the assault. And this is why I wanted to put a trigger warning to this, but it is a very serious thing. And this should be something that people know in case, I hope this never happens to someone, but statistics show that it will, and it has. So this is something that everyone should know. I think it's great that we're mentioning that. I think another important thing to mention is that in that scenario, as much as it from, I guess, if you're trying to collect evidence would be a good, so like a good option, you should do what you want to do in that scenario. Because if you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. If whatever gives you the most agency is what you should do. This is an option. It's great to know that it is an option. It's good to use this option, but don't feel like you need to if you're not comfortable with it. Because in that case, I, at least I believe that you like whatever gives you the most agency is what, should be, I what you should be agree. doing at that point. But again, it's worth mentioning just so we know about it. So we have options. Yeah, it's great to have options. Options are great. And knowing about options are good. Moving on to what we should do instead. We've focused on the myth. We focused on the logic behind it and why it's debunked. Let's talk about 
what we should do instead of using these scented products. What can we do to stay clean? The basic premise is, as we've kind of hinted throughout this entire episode, it's best not to disturb the vaginal flora that your body has going on. So only use water, avoid any heavily scented soaps. Yeah, and just kind of let it be. And of course, like... On the topic of avoiding yeah, soaps, kind of let it be. this also includes things like bubble baths, laundry detergents, fabric softeners, scented lubricants or condoms, or scented or colored toilet paper. Now, this doesn't mean you have to skip out on bubble baths and you can only buy laundry detergents and fabric softeners that have no scent. That's not what we're saying. We're saying these are also things that can cause vaginal irritation. But definitely avoid direct contact of soap with the vagina. And if you're really worried about or about odor, pain, or bleeding, and that is why you are reaching or attempted to look into these products, definitely get in contact with your healthcare provider. Um, similar to our episode last week, that might be an indication of an infection. Definitely. It so if would you're not concerned be about odor, products. again, everyone has their own natural odor. But if you're concerned about something out of the ordinary, it might be something more. It might not just be your benign odor. There might be something more going on. And on that note, it is time for our break and then a summary. So let's break it down. Our myth revolved around scented products, pH wipes, and douching. Basically, avoid scented products. These can mess up your good vaginal bacteria. Remind yourself that the vagina is self-cleaning. If you have odor, don't cover it up. There might be something else going on. There might be something else going on. If you're really worried about your odor, get in contact with your healthcare provider. On to fun facts. Did you know the word douching comes from the French word for wash or soak? And that's douche. So the French word yes. for wash or soak is yes. douche then. Something along those lines. I'm that's, sure it was an ER verb. French class douche. Right? I don't know. I took I'm having... French. I was not in French immersion. I remembered how to ask to go to the bathroom and how to order a croissant. That is my French. <laughs> Another fun fact is that there's something called vaginal moisturizing melts, which Arnie's giving me a great face because she's like, what are those? I've never heard of them, which is why I put them in the fun facts and not on the main section of the, the podcast. But they have been all over TikTok as of last year, and they're advertised to make you taste better. And are advertised to make, sorry, and are advertised as all natural because they are organic, soy free, gluten free, glycerin free, and all these other things free. However, what's important to remember is just because something is marketed as natural does not mean it's not going to mess up your system. Just because something is made out of natural products and products from the earth doesn't mean you should introduce it to your microbacterial system that we've been talking about is 
not something you want to mess with. So just because something's natural Guys, doesn't mean it's safe. Guys, aspirin is a natural derivative. Is, is derived from nature. You wouldn't want to... Actually, no. Water is natural. You wouldn't want to drink water until you're sick. Because that can happen. But I'm glad you brought up that example, which I honestly had no idea about until now. And again, I'm a little shocked. But that reminds me of other natural... Again, I'm doing air quotations here, treatments for various infections. I've heard of vagina havers using garlic cloves in their vaginas, using yogurt for various infections. On the same topic, don't, let's not do that. That is, again, going to upset your natural flora. I think we should put this reminder out there anyway, so it's just a good piece of advice and something to always keep in mind that you should be making decisions about your own body for you and what makes you feel good and not for another person. As always, thanks for listening to our TMI Talks, where we do the research so you don't have to. Let us know if you have any questions at The Gal Pals Guide on Instagram or by emailing us at thegalpalsguide at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your chosen podcast platform. Okay, bye.